You're listening to Athleisure Kitchen, where you'll get the inside scoop with those in the culinary world from celebrity chefs, food personalities, restaurateurs, and more. I'm your host, Kimmy Smith of Athleisure Mag, so set an extra plate as we chat all things culinary. On today's episode of Athleisure Kitchen, we sit down with the Art of Tea's founder, Steve Short. Around the office, we have always enjoyed tea as it's a beverage that can be enjoyed hot, iced, alone, with an array of sweeteners, and even mixed with the spirit of our choice. We wanted to delve more into tea culture to find out the origin of tea, how it should be consumed, stored, and what the benefits are when drinking it. We talked with Steve about his company, which is known for their hundreds of options that they have available on their site, their hospitality partnerships with Wolfgang Puck, Arias, Caesars Palace, and more. He talks with us about his background in Ayurveda, how he got into the industry, how he grew his company, and the importance of our individual tea rituals wherever we are in the world. Where we're going to begin is what is a master tea blender and what does that like position entail? Right. Well, let me first um, share a little bit of background. Um, so um, my background's in Ayurveda. Ayurveda is a form of preventative medicine based out of India. Um, and I, I got into that because uh, my mom actually was diagnosed with uh, brain cancer mm. um, when I was just out of high school. I got a full paid scholarship to go to college and I ended up dropping out so I can go um, move back in with her and take care of her. So I took care of her for about 10 months until she passed. And the whole time mm. we were just on Western medicine. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with Western medicine. It just didn't work for us. So mm-hmm. we went from one doctor to another, one experimental treatment to the other. And um, so after she passed, it really sort of got me thinking, um, gosh, you know, cancer must've been around for thousands of years. We only just recently label it as cancer. Mm-hmm. So um, what are the other healing modalities that are out there? And I didn't want to stick needles in people. I didn't want to be a massage therapist or an herbologist. And there's nothing wrong with any of those. Just yeah. wasn't my path. So um, I found the school in New Mexico called the Ayurvedic Institute. Really fell in love with the alchemy of blending herbs and teas and botanicals and how those herbs and botanicals blend together to create unique flavor profiles and how those flavor profiles and those herbs and healing properties mm-hmm. affect the body in very different ways, both in a metabolical um, way, but also in terms of helping with, you know, um, hormone digestive fire, um, uh, immunity, yep. uh, longevity, all these things that really rally behind um, uh, how these botanicals are blended together. So it's not one herb plus another herb or botanical equals two, but rather one plus one could equal four or six. They can multiply um, and, and increase in terms of its strength. So um, I was looking into old texts and started and learning Sanskrit uh, while I was at school, oh. really trying to get a good understanding of um, the Charaka Samhita, some of these old texts on, on the alchemy of uh, teas and herbs. And um it was funny. It was uh, one of the patients that was there um, was a gentleman by the name of Yogi Bhajan, and Yogi Bhajan um, would come to the facility and see the doctor, and I would make the 
the blends for him. Wow. And um, the uh, the other thing that was requested was um, their family would ask for other ingredients and um, ask us to blend in different ratios these different botanicals. Mm-hmm. And, and so we would source and then send them their first batch samples. And I'd find that six months or you know nine months down the road, these blends were on supermarket shelves called Yogi Teas. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, I was like, okay, I kind of, I know what I'm doing. And, and at this point there was no real internet connectivity. There's this company called Amazon that was starting out. Mm-hmm. Um, but most of what I was doing was making phone calls to origin of, you know, all throughout Asia and India. And I remember I needed to source ginkgo. So I called, I asked the, um, you know, I was like $4 a minute. So I wanted to be respectful of budget and time. And, uh, I said, yeah, I need to order some ginkgo. And they said, do you want to order ginkgo on a Western slope or an Eastern slope next to a river? Hmm. And I said, "Eh, it doesn't really matter. I just need to order ginkgo. And he said, no, sir, it does matter. And you need to come here yourself and experience it. So wow. I was, I was intrigued. I, I um, appreciated the invitation. I saved up my money. I worked four different jobs, got a backpack and started traveling around the world to find the best teas and botanicals possible. So I had no idea that I was going to start a tea company. I just knew that I was a huge tea nerd into yeah. it. And I saw the impact that it had on people's lives. Those that drink tea and those that don't drink tea and what it means to them, mm-hmm. whether it's sitting down with a loved one at the end of the day or engaging in, in a, a meditation practice or just needing to work out uh, a research paper, whatever it might be, saw just the the level of impact that tea can have. And so I started sourcing these different botanicals and in my living room, started blending and, and started peddling my teas around town. So I caught the attention of Wolfgang Puck and then um, a, <laughs> a hotel and a spa and a restaurant. And uh, then caught the attention of Caesar's Palace, and I ended up training the first tea sommelier in the United States. Wow. Um, and it just sort of grew from there. And I ended up teaching classes at these big world tea conventions, and there were sold-out classes. So I taught them for uh, five years in a row, beginning and advanced blending classes. There was no one teaching blending. In fact, I was like, okay, I got. they're asking me to teach blending. I got to look up old books, and I right. found a book from 1896 what? on blending it. <laughs> Yeah, there was nothing. There was nothing at the time. So I was like, okay, I got to, you know, if if I'm asked to create a format, then, you know, I'm just going to share my failures and my wins and what's working and what's not, and hopefully leave an impression and impact. And some people that took the classes were are now publicly traded companies or sold to Procter and Gamble. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's awesome seeing just the impact of you know, what's happening with the tea industry. Wow. I mean, are there, just thinking of you talking about this, are there new, I guess, blends or nutrients that grow, like that haven't exist, like in the 18 or 1900s? I mean, I have the things that I enjoy uh, consuming, but I know that those have always been around, but are there new hybrids? I guess that's what I'm asking for. Are there new hybrids? Great question. So first, let's let's dive into what is tea and what was yes. that book all about back then. So, um, true tea comes from one evergreen shrub called Camellia sinensis. So all true tea comes from this evergreen shrub. Now, mm. um, if it's not from this evergreen shrub, then it's not tea. So, for example, oh. white white tea, 
green tea, oolong tea, black tea, poor tea, all those come from Camellia sinensis. Mm-hmm. And then and there's differences in terms of how they're produced, but it's very similar to wine. All wine typically comes from grapes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, depending on the grape that's used and how it's grown and processed and um is it uh, stored in an oak barrel or a stainless steel container? Is the skin left on? So all these play into crafting a really delicious glass of wine. In the mm-hmm. same way, tea is um, separated and picked at different harvest times, depending on what they're looking for, and um, you know, put into these silos of white, green, oolong, black, and puer. And there's some subcategories between there, and different varietals of teas that help. Um, are grown specifically for those types of teas as well. Mm-hmm. But if it's from if it's chamomile or rooibos, then it's not actually a tea. Huh. Um, it's a totally different category known as a tisane, oh. and a t i s a n e is a fancy French word that basically means botanical. So mm. you could have mint and chamomile and rooibos blended together and you have a tisane or what's called a fusion um, or you can blend it with tea and there you have a tea fusion. Um, but chamomile tea is sort of an oxymoron. It's not actually a tea. Wow. That's- and you now know more than like 99% of the U S population. Just My mind this. is now kind of like blown because <laughs> wow. <laughs> Cause as you're talking, I'm like, wait a minute, but Oh, very interesting. So what do you define a master tea blender as? Um, I guess the 10,000 hour rule um, plays uh, <laughs> deeply into this. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, having a strong sense of origin, uh, where the, where and how the teas are grown. And, um, you know, when you're tasting tea, over 98% of what you're drinking is water. Right. So what you're looking for is the nuance within that 2%. Mm. And so your tongue ends up becoming like an instrument. You're mm. learning how to play with the different high notes and low notes and terroir, the different ingredients, and how they'll play well together. So like an, an artist that's using color and a color um, palette to define what a painting might look like, mm-hmm. they'll know when and where to add specific colors. And same thing with a blend. You want... You want the blend to um, uh, be even in terms of ingredient size, so the smaller bits don't fall on the bottom. Mm-hmm. Uh, you want that flavor profile to have a nice mouth feel in terms of what you're looking for for beginning and middle and finish. Um, but it's knowing your ingredients well enough to see how that symphony of ingredients will come together in that final composition. Wow. And what is that process like when you're blending the teas? I mean, once again, I didn't think about the fact that we just had an article a few, um, actually in our last month's issue, where we were talking to a, a winemaker and they're in the midst of harvest season. And you were talking about um, that there's also kind of that season as well for the teas. So what is that blending process like and what is the harvest season like for you? Great question. Um, so the blending process in terms of the creation, so Um, When I was first starting out, I became obsessed with creating new blends. And um, in fact, I had a journal next to my bed where I'd wake up in the middle of the night like, oh, I got this inspiration. And um, sometimes inspiration can come from odd things like um, my wife. She's an esthetician. 
Hmm. And uh, she got tons of samples of different skincare um, products for vendors that were sending her to try. And so our shower is populated with, you know, tons of different scrubs and conditioners and all sorts of stuff. So being curious, I opened one up that was called Mandarin Cashmere. Hmm. And it's like, wow, this is like, you almost could bite into it. It was like smooth and sweet and citrusy and creamy. I was like, this, this would be an amazing tea. Obviously I'm not going to eat a scrub. Right. But, uh, and, and, and no, no one's going to want to eat cashmere, but I thought, okay, well maybe I could take this and, and make it, you call it Mandarin silk. Mm-hmm. So I ended up, you know, really honing in on where those flavor notes were hitting my nose because mm-hmm. over 80% of what we taste is actually through our sense of smell. Mm-hmm. So where are those flavor notes hitting my nose and how can I duplicate that within a product that someone's going to want to drink and ended up doing really well. We actually won this tea won best oolong in the world. Wow. Um, so it was really, really fun. Really cool. Um, so there's, uh, there, there's that part. There's also, you know, we've had, you know, Vera Wang, for example, she was coming up with a new perfume line and mm. her team reached out and said, can you make a perfume, a tea that matches this perfume? Mm. And so in some cases it's really complex. Yeah. In some cases it's, um, it's trial and error. One of one blend I made, um, I made on accident when I was first starting out. Um, I was on the phone with a customer and I was, blending one ingredient in a batch of other ingredients that were resting. Meaning as you're blending, you want certain uh, aromatics and compounds to be able to mesh together before you introduce other ingredients to it. Mm-hmm. This is like, let's say you're going out with friends, you're inviting some friends over and um, yeah, should we invite that other person? <laughs> yep. Right. Exactly. <laughs> and it's because that person could add a lot of value or that person could just take the air out of the room. Exactly. Um, So in the same way, you'll introduce ingredients at stage times. Um, So I was on the phone with the customer and I accidentally dumped one ingredient into a batch of another. And while I was on the phone with them, I said, Oh shit. (laughs) And I said, I'm I'm sorry. And this was like a five-star restaurant. Right. And I said, Oh no, no, I'm, I'm sorry. Nothing. How can I help you? And this is when a customer service and, sales and accounts receivable, accounts payable and marketing, everything was tied into my cell phone yep. And when I was in my living room. Right. Yep. So I accidentally blended this. I, I realized I made a mistake. I put it in this big cello bag and put it in the corner and my wife walks in and she immediately noticed that where I messed up, right. This is mm-hmm. part of her superpower. Um, so she's like, what's that? And I said, Oh, don't ask. I messed up. So well, how do you know you messed up? I said, I'm a tea expert. Exactly. I'm a tea master. I think I know. And she's like, well, you might want to try it. And I'm like, I, I don't need to try. I know it's going to be bad. Anyway, she was right. Mm-hmm. I, you know, it was burning in my head. I should at least try it. So the next morning I woke up, I tried it. And it was really good. And I ended up sending some of these samples out to different customers and they loved it. Wow. And so this is a tea called French lemon ginger, and it's mm. um, still one of our most popular um, herbal botanical tisans that we have to offer. Wow. Like, and what lessons have you learned through the process of creating your teas? You know, at, I mean, like you were talking about some things are trial and error, some things you know exactly. What have been those lessons that you've uh, gained from that? 
um, allow yourself permission to fuck up. Yep. I'm like really just, uh, <laughs> sorry much. if I cuss. You no, know? that's <laughs> sometimes you're just like, fuck it. <laughs> Cause you, you never know. And, you know, being the co-founder of this magazine and, and also, you know, the media house and also being a celebrity fashion stylist, like for every plan you come up with, sometimes that works. And other times just like, you know what, I don't know, just screw it. We're just, we're just going to do it and we'll figure it out next time. So I always think it's important to, what are these lessons that you learn? Yeah, totally. And giving yourself that permission, right? Just mm-hmm. um, messing up along the way, learning um, and uh, customer feedback has also been really powerful. So we're um, when we launch something, what we'll do is we'll first go through rounds internally mm-hmm. um, and then we'll go through rounds externally for our customers and then we'll do uh, a launch. So right now we're experimenting with uh, um, a, a bottled beverage. We're, we're mm. testing out what, and it's created in a time of COVID. It's, we call yep. it um, op- open sunshine. Oh, nice. And <laughs> so the whole idea is, you know, um, there's so much power and energy just by going outside. And I think people have this mixed relationship now with what it means to go outside and be yep. in open sunshine. Right. Yep. So, um, and there's so many health factors behind going outside. So we took a look at um, taking green tea and black tea and passion fruit, jasmine, lemon, ginger, and we created a effervescent sparkling uh, tea out of all these different ingredients. So it's a little spicy, a little sweet, and slightly floral. Um, and uh, we're, we're, we're launching it in about two weeks. So we're pretty excited about wow, it. Wow, that's exciting. You know, what is... <laughs> I mean, wow. What is your process in terms of when you look at things from an assortment perspective? Like, you know, um, you guys have like a huge brainstorm that X amount of products have to come to market or a certain amount of products have to kind of like go back in the vault to then come back out again because you have a pretty, you know, extensive amount of teas on your website. So I'm just kind of, you know, interested in that rotational aspect to it. It's a great question. So in some cases it's through that, that trial and error mm-hmm. and um, we'll do, we'll walk before we run. So we'll do soft launches, we'll gain feedback, we'll learn from um, what people are experiencing. And um, our tribe is very vocal. Like mm-hmm. they're very, um, they will share direct feedback on what they love and what they don't love and where there's opportunity, whether that's through Facebook or Instagram or whatever it might be. Um, and so it's having that dynamic trusted relationship with our customers to be able to learn and hopefully get better. Um, and we've tried shaving back some of our offerings as well. Mm-hmm. And I think because we have such a vocal community, they'll, they'll say, you can't take that tea down. <laughs> so what we decided to do is at particular times we'll have, you may or may not like this analogy, but uh, the McRib. So the idea is you... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's so we'll, we'll 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 like okay we'll McRib that like we'll we won't get rid of it but we'll offer it you know uh at this particular time so like for example we have a tea um called pumpkin spice chai that does so well in the fall and winter time mm-hmm. um but for us to sell it in the heat of the summer just doesn't really make sense so um, we'll, we'll, we'll breathe life back into specific teas at particular times of the year. Wow. That's super smart. And you know, what destinations have inspired you in terms of creating teas? Um, great question. We actually created a, a, we found was like, there's 
basically four reasons why people drink tea. Um, so we, we did this whole brand exercise a couple of years ago, really trying to identify what is it that people gravitate towards when it comes to tea. And we found that they drink tea because it just tastes good, mm-hmm. right? They drink tea because of a period of time, right? Like yep. I have to drink tea in the morning to get me going. Or I have to drink tea at, at night to help me wind down. Um, or um, it could be a location, right? I remember going to London and sitting outside and enjoying a beautiful cup of tea. Or I remember sitting on my grandmother's porch and enjoying a uh, delicious tea. So a location is is very much a part of that. And the last piece is the wellness piece. People drink tea yep. because they think of the medicinal value, whether it's you know something that their grandmother gave them when they were a kid, or you know, they just read on a supermarket label that you know this this does this particular function. Mm-hmm. So um, we created a location collection which has London mm-hmm. and Big Sur and Tuscany. Um, and so, uh, you know, that's, that's a few, we've also, um, created, um, specific teas that are only sold at specific hotels. Like at the peninsula hotel, we created a cherry blossom Mm -hmm. tea. That's, um, in honor of the cherry blossom season for the peninsula hotel in Tokyo. Um, so location I've been, I've been very inspired by these different, uh, areas, but also, in terms of blends, there's a seasonal blend that we have called Summer Rain, hmm. where my family and I were driving from Los Angeles to Palm Springs, and we got stuck in a monsoon. <laughs> and uh, we couldn't leave the car because it was pouring rain. And by the time it stopped raining, we opened the door, and you have this dry desert that's now hit with this you know, fresh rain. And the smell that comes from that, that floor is incredible. Hmm. And so I thought, how can I capture this in a tea? So we ended up creating a blend called Summer Rain. Wow! So that was so there's different inspiration. I think it's not always so you know far out the edge of the world. It, it it could very much be in our own backyard or a memory or something that's close to us. Wow! Um, that's really cool. I like that. You know, I I personally have been drinking tea. I want to say since I was three years old, like it's, it's been for a number of years and I've never been a coffee person. And my biggest thing of liking it was because I did like a lot of the medicinal elements to it. Um, as someone who does not like take medicine, like if I'm not feeling well, I'll pick out certain teas and try to like balance it out. Can you share, you know, what the benefits are in consuming tea in general, as well as are there specific teas that are good for like targeting immunity or relaxation or even gut health? Yeah, all great questions. The most powerful benefit of tea really is the ritual. Mm-hmm. So um, I was just uh, um, I was just learning with someone about how um, Snapchat is creating this new um, it's called spectacle, mm-hmm. right? And it's like this thing. It's augmented reality where you can dive in and it transforms your physical reality. Uh, through these goggles and can put you into this internal external world sort of combined mm-hmm. at one. Mm-hmm. Sounds interesting, right? So yeah. I, I was curious and I wondered what does augment mean? Because to me, augment means to change or mm-hmm. to alter, but augment actually means to improve. So this whole world is going to continue to evolve as we've, you know, dealing with 
you know, what COVID could mean and what, you know, connecting with people remotely could mean. Mm-hmm. And this whole AR world is going to continue to transform. Yeah. But I'm very interested in, and also, well, what, what, if the biggest benefit of tea answering your question really is that ritual, then how can we create a modern day ritual without feeling foreign or without feeling like you need all these right tools or right. worried that we might mess it up? So um, this morning, I also looked up the word um, analog and uh, analog uh, means relating to physical space. So you have augment, which means to improve yep. and analog, which means to relate to your physical space. So I'm sort of playing with the idea of an AAR um, instead of augmented reality mm-hmm. and analog augmented reality. Mm. So what does that mean? Basically, how can we dive into that ritual by getting your water ready, selecting your teapot, getting your cup together, Mm -hmm. selecting the right tea leaves, and just tapping out a technology. I'm a huge fan of technology, but I'm saying just for about 10 minutes, 8 to 10 minutes, turn that stuff off and really dive in and hone in in that process and be really mindful and intentional. And if you allow yourself that permission and that space just imagine what that can do throughout the rest of your day, the rest mm-hmm. of your life, the people that you love, the people that you're surrounded with. Just giving yourself that permission to dive completely in with all your senses, go all in on that analog augmented reality of brewing that process and sipping that process. Your mind will get totally distracted, right? Like, oh, yeah. I got to focus on this. I got to tackle that email. But just keep honing in for just a few minutes on that. And that intention. It's a whole paradox because you might not have eight or 10 minutes Mm -hmm. to do this, but if you allow yourself that eight to 10 minutes, the impact will be so great. Um, But it's really allowing yourself that permission. I like that. I, you know, I never thought of it. I mean, yes, I thought of it as a ritual in the sense of when we would go to Tokyo, like we would go to tea houses there and enjoy like all of these different um, steps that they did. But I, I never really thought about like, a lot of things that I will do just physically when I know I'm about to prepare my tea, I have my Breville, I have, depending on the type of tea, there's a certain cup that I tend to use for different ones. And it does make me kind of like take at least half a beat <laughs> in the day. Yeah. Um, that I really like the way that you put that. Wow. And it's a modern day ritual, right? You yep. don't have to travel to Tokyo to, um, to have this experience. It's, you know, it's a corner in your garage. It's a, it's mm-hmm. a small section on your patio. It's um, a place in your room or like wherever it might be. That's I'm, I'm designating this as a sacred space wow. and that intention, you're breathing life into that intention and it will spill over into everything else that you're doing. Wow. I, I like that a lot. Do you have certainties that you would suggest or that people should be aware of that do target areas of immunity, gut health and things of that nature? So great question. And um, I'll answer it twofold. So the first is, um, yes, we have a wellness section mm-hmm. at rdt.com. We have a, and it's tea for him, tea for her. There's a mm. um, happy tea, chill out, feel better blend. Yep throat therapy, breathe, you know, all these that target very specific things. Um, and they're all blended with Ayurveda and wellness in mind. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, um, we, uh, 
there, there's a story about a student and a master and the master says, okay, you're now ready for your final exam. I want you to go within a one mile radius and I want you to find a single botanical that doesn't have medicinal value. Mm. So student's excited and says, okay, great. Um, and you have 24 hours, right? So mm-hmm. student goes, comes back 24 hours later, sobbing. It's master. I, I failed. I couldn't find a single botanical that doesn't have medicinal value. And the master looks up and says, no, in fact, you've passed. So every root, every leaf, every berry, every botanical bark has medicinal value, but on the same tree or same plant, the root might be medicine for one person and the leaves could be poison for someone else. Oh, or the, yeah. the berry could the berry could affect one part of the body while the um, stem, uh, the, the roots or whatever it might be, will mm-hmm. affect a different part of the body. And then how they're blended together also have very powerful effects. Mm. Um, and whether you're living and you're listening to this um, in the East coast or you're in Mexico or Canada or wherever you might be um, in your one mile radius, there's many different botanicals that are worth learning about. Um, And uh, so I I, I encourage local sourcing Mm -hmm. and as much as possible, but also um, if you don't have time, uh, we've definitely uh, have taken a lot of the guesswork out and crafted really delicious teas um, th- uh, through what we're doing with our wellness line. Wow. I mean, you have such an interesting um, form of distribution in the sense of obviously you, you have the website and um, you also have like these hospitality brands that you've worked with. How is that process like for you? Is it different when you are, are doing something for a hotel chain or a group of people versus what you're making for people who just come straight to the website to purchase? That's a great question. We will do for some of our hospitality partners, we'll do signature blends just for them, mm-hmm. like Google, for example, um, for their offices yeah. or um, the uh, um, Aria Hotel. Like there's very specific teas that we'll do for specific properties, mm-hmm. but the large majority of the teas that we have to offer uh, can be found at our, at our website. What we found was that with a lot of the hotels, um, uh, closing and people had summer plans to go visit yeah. or a lot of the workspaces that were where they would meet over mm-hmm. tea and we'd sell tea to, to these different workspaces and the, people still need to connect over this tea experience their ritual of what they built still mm-hmm. needs to happen even if it's virtual yeah so we decided to create a rework kit um oh, and nice. this is and in conjunction we you know first crafted it with uh google mm-hmm Google said, listen, we have budget and we want to connect with our team. What, what can we do? So we created this kit with a little message inside that says loving you remotely from Google and, um, or, you know, some signature message there. And it's sent out to these varieties of, of different staff members at Google. And for a certain amount of boxes that are sold, we're sending to first responders. So, um, that's nice. It's been yeah, it's been it's been great. So we're we're trying to tie in this element of still connecting with our tribe, our community, mm-hmm. really looking at making an impact through tea, and um, and and tying that all together. Does I mean, and I find myself asking this to everyone because the impact of COVID per industry, it's it is just 
beyond what anyone could have ever imagined. But is, are there have there been effects in terms of like the production of tea? Does that hinder it in any way? Uh, good and bad. Right. Um, so uh, from our side, we have the freshest and best chamomile that we've uh, ever had. And we have a very abundant amount of this chamomile. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, cause we bought based on what we thought our demand would be. So we're yeah. sitting on a lot of amazing chamomile that we, and we already sourced great chamomile, but now we're sitting on a, a large amount of our best chamomile ever. Yeah. So, um, and on the other side, um, Darjeeling, which is mm-hmm. a region in India, um, think about like a large hippie commune um, that has a very specific region where they have low valleys and high hills and they end up growing really dynamic. Um, it's a champagne of tea. So it's really dynamic, mm-hmm. very crisp tasting teas. They have three harvest seasons. Their most profitable and most important season for that region um, ha- happens um uh, for a very short window for it starts, um, re, you know, regardless of climate change, mm-hmm. it ends up starting on a very, you know, particular day of the year. And so all the workers come together, they wait year round for this day when they can harvest. Wow. And so this happened back in, uh, April where I'm sorry, end of March, I believe it was March 29th. Oh boy. And, um, and, the government said the day before everyone was gearing up to harvest. They said, you cannot harvest. Oh my God. Preventing you from harvesting. So all these estates were, and estate owners and garden workers and um, harvesters were, their livelihood was about to be shifted dramatically. So um, the, and there's already a, a major shortage and high demand for this high quality product. So on, on, those stories we've seen impact. So they were still able to harvest. They got creative with mm-hmm. ways of social distancing, Yep. but they weren't able to do it on the exact day that that's been happening for, for many, many years. Wow. Oh my gosh. That's yeah. That's very interesting. Um, so if from a vis- um, from a customer perspective, going to the website, are they able to request custom blends for themselves? Like if someone has a wedding and they want to do a custom blend or, you know, someone who has a small business and they want to do something like that. Does the Art of Tea have something where people can do that on a smaller level versus, you know, your larger hospitality clients? Um, what we've done is we've created blog articles on how people can take specific teas that we have and mm. create their own fun fun blends with them. Um, and, and specific recommendations around that mm-hmm. we've, um, we're doing a project now with these, um, uh, these guys called try guys. Um, mm-hmm. they have a YouTube channel and, um, we're, we're working on a custom tea for them. Mm-hmm. Um, so we will work on some specific projects, but in terms of custom blending based on, uh, individual customers or someone sm- starting a small business, we'll, yep. we'll typically have them starting with, um, our hundred plus teas that we have to offer on our site mm-hmm. and uh, helping you navigate that process through that channel. Oh, nice. So what is the art of tea Academy? And can you tell me more about like what happens there? <laughs> Cause I thought that was like, yeah. so awesome. Yeah. Cool. I'm so glad you mentioned that. So we, um, uh, and this, this COVID period has 
given us an opportunity to get super creative. Yep. So um, we created a 25 video series all on how to become a tea expert. And uh, it's uh, in-depth training on how to taste tea, how to understand origin, uh, flavor profile, uh, in-depth learning on the different styles of teas. Mm -hmm. And lots of people know uh, that are that are foodies know a lot about where their wine comes from yep. or their coffee comes from or their chocolate but there's still a lot of mystique around tea or even just i don't know how to touch it now it's leaves and water <laughs> but there's still this sort of you know um idea that people will mess it up somehow mm -hmm. um so we're like okay let's demystify the leaf and let's get people more closely connected with um the learning about tea so within a very short period of time we've had a few thousand people sign up um and the response has been super positive um so so far just people have time to learn and they want to up their game and yep. whether they're in the hospitality space or just passionate about love for learning mm -hmm. um and so we we wanted to put this out there in the world very nice. And you, I know you also uh, recently launched your tea app as well, um, which it once again looks really beautiful. What are the types of things that people can do through that app? Uh, great question. First of all, I'm so grateful for um, uh, the talent of, of my of our team, um, specifically uh, Hannah, who helps lead up our, our marketing. She's really instrumental in getting both these um sections live mm -hmm. uh, on our site um, and so with the app um, the app is a, a really fun and dynamic way of one how do you um, uh, um, how do you understand how to best brew tea right so mm -hmm. there's a steep time uh, section on there it's just a really quick glance what we found is one of our most popular um, pages on our site is just yep. how to brew tea. So um, it's a quick and easy way that you can know how not to mess up your tea mm -hmm. uh, and how much to put in there. So that's one. The others uh, connects to our tea quiz. So a lot of people are like, I know I need to get in tea because I know that it's good for me, but I just don't know where to start. Mm -hmm. Or I have a loved one that, that loves tea, but I don't know what to get them. Yeah. So the tea quiz is sort of like the shoe dazzle. If you've taken shoe dazzle. Yep. Um, kind of helps you navigate what that, um, uh, your personal shopper, right? Mm -hmm. Just a few minutes. How can you best identify what tea will best match what you're looking for? Mm -hmm. Um, so those are some of the, the fun, um, the fun connections that are happening with the app, as well as just an easy way to check out and get discounts and notifications. I love that. And what are your three go-to teas that you enjoy? Oh man, it's like, what's your favorite kid? Exactly. Um, we ask really tough questions. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. <laughs> That's great. Um, I okay. My my uh, my three favorites. So, um, we have a tea called Earl Grey Creme, and I believe that you may have received it. I did. I was um, so excited. I had it this morning. Loved it. <laughs> <laughs> I was so happy. That's awesome. I will be putting a little so, gin in that a little later on tonight, but yes. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. Yep. So, so what we found was that with Earl Grey, there's there's lots of different ways to make Earl Grey. We believe in making it with a true authentic bergamot oil. Mm -hmm. So we get an Italian, we get an Italian bergamot oil, 
and we hand blended in with our tea. And we also found with Earl Grace, it could be slightly astringent for some people. Mm-hmm. And so some people end up adding cream or milk or yeah. sugar to it to kind of neutralize that. Mm-hmm. But what we did was we added a touch of French vanilla, which is sort of like this eggy, creamy flavor profile. Mm-hmm. So the combination of the bergamot, which is that bright citrus note, slightly floral, and the black tea with that brightness and astringency, blended with the French lemon ginger, you get this full mouth feel, really rounded and smooth. Mm-hmm. And so I could drink that all day. And we have we grow mint in our um, backyard, super easy to grow. And we'll throw that in there as well. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we have a blend already that has it called Big Sur, mm-hmm. um, which is awesome. But that's, I could drink Earl Grey Creme all day. Um, I also love Japanese tea. Um, we have yeah. one called Matcha Plus, which is sencha, shade-grown sencha or shade-grown green tea with uh, blended with ceremonial grade matcha. So you get mm. um, more of a bioavailability from the matcha. So mm-hmm. it impacts the thyroid, which governs immunity and metabolism, gets everything really active. And I, this is the same style tea that they use in Zen monasteries throughout mm. Japan. So wow. before they go into meditation or focus, so it could, you know, you get this clear rush, but you don't feel that jolty jitteriness that you get with coffee. Exactly. So I love matcha plus. And then the um, third that I can drink on an ongoing basis um, would be our silver needle. And Mm. it's harvested for only about seven to 10 days out of the year. Um, It's handpicked from Fujian province. We bring it in and it's like drinking, um, uh, from a fresh spring. It's just mm. slightly sweet and um, you get slight notes of melon to it. It's, it's really nice. Wow. Do you envision, because there there's a huge um, kind of a, a big jump that started to take place with like tea alcohol, like there's, um, you know, hard teas basically that, that are coming out. Do you envision having a collaboration of doing something like that? I know that there was a, a gin brand that they created a gin that was based in, you know, teas and different things like that. Would that be something that you would look at in terms of like a potential thing that you would do? Yeah, it'd be fun. We, we do work with um, several kombucha companies mm-hmm. that I love have kombucha. both. Um, yeah. Um, they have both uh, hard versions of kombucha yep. and, um, non-alcohol or non-hard alcoholic mm-hmm. versions of kombucha. Um, there is a cider company that um, uh, is in works to launch something some mm-hmm. point next year mm-hmm. um, with, with our tea. Wow. And I, just in general, I think that um, tea and alcohol, um, especially now, right. And people exactly. are like, I need to do something good for my, I need to do something good for me. I need to put something good in my body. And at mm-hmm. the same time, they're like, fuck it. I need alcohol. I need something that's going to make you chill out a bit. Exactly. So no, for sure. Blend the two together. You know, it's not so bad. I love that. And does tea (laughs) have a shelf life just in general? And what is the best way for us to, you know, put it in like the containers and different things to keep it fresh? Great question. So tea is sensitive to light, heat, and humidity. As long as you keep it away from light, heat, and humidity, Mm -hmm. you can have tea last a long time. Mm. You can have a really great experience for a while. So um, if it is subject to any of those, especially humidity, or if it's next to your spice drawer or other um, fragrant 
um, uh, items, mm -hmm. it acts as a natural odor absorber. It'll just pick up the smells of the other things. Yeah. So you just want to make sure that it's in an airtight container. Um, so in terms of the shelf life of tea, tea, if produced well and it's of high quality, it shouldn't go bad. What we end up finding is we'll put best by dates on our products mm -hmm. just because we believe that there's a peak flavor profile that you're going to get out of a tea in terms of it being a live product. And over a period of time, that flavor profile will drop, yeah. which means that you'll lose some natural oil content. The vibrancy of the leaves will start to diminish. But as long as you store properly, we moved warehouses a few years ago from one location to the next. And mm -hmm. We found tucked away in one drawer was tea that was over five years old. Wow. It was packed well and it was kept cool in a dark place. Um, and so we decided to try it. And it was fresh and dynamic and and still really, really good. So as long as it's stored right, you can have tea last a long time. Wow. And I know we were talking earlier about, you know, you have a pumpkin spice tea. Are there things coming out in the fall and holiday that we should look out for or um, whether it's new to market or just something that's being put back into that rotation? Do I have something new that's coming to market? Mm -hmm. Is that what you said? Yep. Whether it's new coming yes. to market or something that's being rotated back in specifically because of the change of season. Yeah, we're uh, so a few a few things. One today we just launched. Um, so you know, celebrating our SoCal roots. Mm -hmm. um, one beverage that's really popular out here is called Agua Fresca. So just imagine melon water mm -hmm. or hibiscus water or um, cantaloupe water. So. Um, we did a, f a few events. One was called Summit and another was um, uh, a big coffee and tea trade show where we soft launched this product called Matcha Fresca. And that uh, has cantaloupe and yeah, it's, it's really fun. We'll, we'll send you some. Um, and it's matcha. It's a premium grade matcha with cantaloupe essence. Wow. And it's so good. You get this fresh, it's like you're biting into a juicy cantaloupe mm -hmm. um, and the match is really a bright green color, really consistent. Um, so we're launching that. We just launched it today. Um, and uh, so super excited about that. can't wait to sit with you again to share another great story with you at Athleisure Kitchen. Athleisure Kitchen is a part of Athleisure Studio, our multimedia podcast network, which is the division of Athleisure Media and whose sister site is Athleisure Mag. Get the latest episode by listening, following, and leaving a review on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher Premium, Himalaya, or your preferred podcast platform. Find out additional information by checking out the show notes. You can stay in the loop on who future guests are by visiting us at athleisurestudio.com backslash athleisurekitchen and on Instagram at athleisurekitchen and at athleisurestudio. I'm your host, Kimmy Smith. Athleisure Kitchen is executive produced by Paul Farkas and myself and is mixed by the team at Athleisure Studio. We'll be back with another episode, so make sure that you set an extra plate for us.